Amen. You can be seated. Merry Christmas. But this is Christmas at Journey North. This time of year, as we celebrate Christmas, we're, it's the thing I love the most about this holiday is all over the planet, there are billions of people, some don't know it, but they're celebrating the fact that the Savior came and that we can have peace, we can have forgiveness, we can have freedom because of that. So we celebrate Christmas here. It's a, it's a big deal for us because it's a birthday. You can see it's a celebration. We celebrate. It's a great thing. We're, um, I, we're in a series. If you have your, your worship folder, there's a, an outline in it that you can kind of follow along. Um, some, the verses are in there and some notes and stuff are in there for you to do. But um, in preface to what we're going to talk about today, um, we, I want to be a little bit interactive, not, not too interactive, but a little bit. Um, and I want to see a show of hands. How many of you in here have maybe some area in your life where you have a little bit of a problem with control and control? Can I see your hands? That's so funny. I see some people trying to raise the hand of the person next to them. Um, <laughs> It's a, good, it's a good thing you're here. We're, we're in a series, and we're talking, in, the series is, is Let It Go, and it's literally just about letting go of the things that hold us down, that weigh us down, that hold us back. We talked about letting go of stuff the first week, then letting go of distractions, and then last week, letting go of bitterness, and if you haven't listened to any of those, you can go to iloveourchurch.com or journeynorthchurch.com, they go to the same place. And listen to those previous ones. But we're going to talk today about letting go of control on Christmas. It's, it's, it's a big deal. And the story, um, I, I, as I do always leading up to Christmas, I read the Christmas story from the various um, Gospels over and over and over. And just try to immerse myself in it again and just feel what it was like. And in, in Luke 1, it's actually like right before everything that we think of for Christmas happens. But um, obviously a huge part of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1... It starts like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, and Elizabeth um, and her husband are older, and Angel comes to them and says, you're going to have a baby? And it's like, yeah, probably not. We're pretty old. Um, and, and she does get pregnant. She does have a baby, so six months older than Jesus, this cousin of his, um, and, and it, he, will be, he is John the Baptist. And it says, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel, one of the few named in the Bible, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. So you get the picture. You got girl, virgin, named Mary. She's in um, uh, Nazareth, small town, Nazareth, in a, village of, in a village in Galilee. And it says, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her. So the angel shows up to Mary, comes into her house, and says, Greetings, favored woman. Favored is actually the word when we favor is grace. You are one who is graced by God. He says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And I think that part is fascinating. Because in a very short time, the one who was prophesied in the Old Testament, who would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, would literally be with us. And he would be with her. And he said, the Lord is with you. 29, verse 29, I love, I love this. Here, here's, here's what it says, verse 29. Confused and disturbed. Can you say that out loud for me? Confused and disturbed. That was Mary's response. 
he comes to her and says, the Lord is with you. You know, greetings, favored woman. Confused and disturbed, it says, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. What does this mean? She could see that it was a, a deeper than it was just on the surface. And, and here's what I know. There's, there's some of you listening to this right now that may be confused and disturbed. It may be about something that's happening to you. Maybe something you don't have any control over. Maybe it's something that you wish were different in your life. And it's happening and it's got you confused and disturbed because you don't understand it. And what you want to do is you want to fix it. You want to figure it out and fix it. You want to take control of the situation and do something. So it says this. The angel says, Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And he's telling her this, and she's been hearing these stories of a Messiah her whole life. And for generations, they've been hearing these stories. And Mary asks the angel, um, how can this happen? She said, I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. Remember last week we talked about holy. It means separate, set apart. This one will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And Mary responded, this is not convenient for me. It's not part of my plans. I don't get this if it happens and I'll be pregnant during the wedding and I'm not going to look good in the wedding photos. And we don't know everything that was going through Mary's mind. But here's what we know. Here's what she responded. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She surrendered control. I really like, there's a number of translations that translate this a little more literally, and I love the the literal translations of it in the Common English Bible. It goes like this, that verse goes like this. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, and then she quotes the Beatles. I'm not kidding, it says it right there. Let it be. She says, let it be with, say that, let it be. Because I know you're thinking it, you're thinking it, you know. Um, I said that to my kids this week, they looked at me like, what? I said, yeah, that's what we're going to preach on. It, it, you know, when I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. That's what she said. Let it be. Let it be with me just as you have said. In fact, do this. Turn to the person next to you and say, let it be. Now turn to the one on the other side that you ignored and say, let it be. Some of you are thinking, can I say, let me be? Just let me be. <laughs> don't, don't talk to me. Um, here's what I know. We're talking about letting go of control. And there are some of you that are thinking, um, this is a good message for so-and-so. You're thinking of the name. You may have even nudged them already. And you're thinking, this is good because it's not me. I'm not controlling. I just know the best way to do it. I'm not controlling. I'm I'm aggressively helpful. That's what I do. See, I know some of you. Some of you are wand so tight, you make coffee nervous, all right? You want to control everything. And you think, nah, you know what? If you have kids, your kids know it. They know it. You want to control what they look like, what they wear, you know, what their hair is like, how they ma- what they major in college, where they go to college, who they're going to marry. 
how many kids they're going to have. You want to control them, and they know it. Maybe, maybe for you, your spouse knows it. They know it. And you're wearing them out. And, and, and the men are thinking, yeah, he's talking to the ladies right now. And the ladies are thinking, yeah, he's talking to the men right now. I'm talking to you both, all right? You know, where to go, what to say, how to say it, what not to say. Finish their sentences for them. How to load the dishwasher, how to drive, where to park. You're controlling them and you're kind of wearing them out. A lot of people want to control, I think most people, they want to control what other people think of them. Like, for many people, social media is their best friend. And some of you are kind of relaxing right now and say, well, I'm not into that too much. And it's like, well, then I'm still going to step on your toes. Because the same thing goes for, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this, for the Christmas photo cards. I'm not saying don't send them. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't do this social media stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, here's what we do. We want to show people the life that we want them to see. Not the one we're really having. The one we want them to see. That's what happens. And so we try to get the perfect Christmas picture by the Christmas tree or by the fireplace, and it takes 43 takes. And what you don't see in the picture is the fighting and the swearing, and the bribing to try to get something done. And we finally come up with the perfect picture, and it's like, hashtag blessed. It's like, you had no idea what went into that. Here's why that's funny. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me too, all right? It's funny because here's the way it happens. The more we try to control, the more we're afraid of losing control. And the more we're afraid of losing control the more we try to control. And it's just a vicious circle. So that's why today what I want to do is I want to give you just one simple thought, one just big idea, a simple thought to remember, not necessarily a simple thought to live, but a simple thought to remember. And I would like to say, and you really need to do this, I would like to make you be able to live this out, but that would be controlling. And so I can't do that. Um, But to live this out takes faith. This is important. On the other side of your faith, I promise you, you will always see the faithfulness of God. It takes faith to live this way. But on the other side of your faith, you will always see the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of of the God who is with you, that we're celebrating at Christmas time, that God, Emmanuel, means God with us. I I love some of the translations say that he, he pitched his tent among us. That's what John 1 said, literally. I love the message paraphrase said, he moved into our neighborhood. That's what he did. He's not out there. He's here. And when we live by faith, we will see his faithfulness. So here's the big thought. If you're taking notes, it's just this. You You don't always have the power to control. You don't always have the power to control. But you always have the power to surrender. You always have the power to surrender. Let me say that again. You don't always have the power to control, to make him do what you want him to do, to make her behave like you want her to behave, to get your marriage where you want it to be, to get your finances maybe in line finally, to get your future perfectly lined up, to get your health where you want it, to have your kids do everything you want them to do. You don't always have the power to control but you do have the power to surrender. 
When we think about this in light of the, our passage today about the Christmas story and that angel appearing to Mary and saying what he did to her, there's probably some of you that might be tempted to think, yeah, but we're talking about Mary. This is like easy for her. You know, she's the mother of Jesus. She has these statues all over the world. She has cathedrals named after her. It's way easier for her. She's Mary. You forget that when the angel came to her, she was somewhere between 13 and 15 years old, probably. Just a teenage girl. One that had hopes and dreams, dreams of the wedding and of the marriage, you know? One that had fears and pressures, just like any other girl would. In fact, when she lived, there was actually more pressure to marry well. Not marry as in marry, but to get married and to marry well than there is today because there wasn't a lot of opportunity for um, single women who were married. And so they wanted to be able to marry well, but it was tougher because their choices were, were limited, not as much as, as we have today because they couldn't travel much. You know, especially a, a young single girl is not going to travel much to meet people. I'm pretty sure they had spotty internet back there. So there wasn't um, eHarmony or Match.com or uh, there's this Christian. I, wanna, I always want to call it Christian Tingle. I think it's Christian Mingle, but whatever it's called. They didn't have that back then. But you know she's thinking about it. She probably had her list. They all have lists. I didn't learn this until later, but they all have lists. And on the list is always a few non-negotiables, you know, um, not many, just the important things, the basics that, that they have on their list. Got to be strong, you know, got to be handsome, charming, have a, a nice donkey, you know, not, not too new a one, but not too old a one, runs good. Got to have, um, he's got to have a good job with a bright future. He's got to have strong hands, but he's got to have a soft heart. Close to mom but not a mama's boy. Bold, but humble. Not, um, uh, well, fit. You know, he needs to be fit, but not obsessed. You know, like no shirtless selfies or anything like that. In fact, can I just say never, ever, no shirtless selfies. Just let's not do that. Um, He needs to be decisive, but flexible. He needs to have big goals, but he needs to be easygoing. And she wants him to provide a secure future, to lead them well but not dominate, to be confident and caring. And I keep thinking, you know, like old movies and long walks on the beach and puppies, and I'm sure all those things are on the list. But most of all, here's what she was looking for. Somebody who loved God. They needed to love God. They needed to be a spiritual leader and a man who would raise their children in the right way. So she didn't expect much, just the normal stuff, you know. And then... She meets Mr. Wright. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. And he proposes to her at Nazareth Park on sunset, at sunset. And and there's there's the photographer there to capture the picture for the Instagram photo. And it's just all good. They're going to get married in the Jerusalem Garden Chapel. They're going to have two kids and a dog. And they're going to have good internet where they're at. So they can chill and watch Netflix every night. And it's just going to be good. And she's got this all figured out. And then an angel shows up and says, you're going to be with child. And she was disturbed and confused. This is not what she wanted. It's not what she expected. It's the opposite of what she expected. 
And maybe some of you have experienced similar things. You know, I, I know families. It's like, we want three kids. They're done at three kids. And all of a sudden, boom, bonus round. <laughs> Surprise, you know. Or maybe it's the opposite for you. You had it all planned out. You wanted three kids and you can't conceive. I don't know what it is that confuses and disturbs you. It could be a relational issue, something you're struggling with in a relationship. It could be a health challenge. It could be that you're dealing with loss. Maybe it's one of the first times you're dealing with loss. And and this is going to be that first season where there's going to be that empty chair. I don't know. And you're disturbed and confused. But here's the thing. Like Mary, you don't know the end of the story. This was just this young teenage girl that had all these hopes and dreams and she didn't know the end of the story. She didn't know that three decades later Jesus would be on a cross, that he would die and then God would raise him from the dead and all the angels would rejoice and sing. He'd ascend to heaven and to sit at the right hand of the Father. She didn't know that. And you know what? You don't know what's going to happen in your particular situation. You don't know that. You don't know what God has in store because you can't see the same big picture. The the idea of Mary not understanding, here's what's going to happen. Do you see everything that's going to happen? I'm going to show you a short video clip. Mary, my betrothed, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen and the sweetest smile. Don't be afraid. I'm the Lord's servant. Help us! Please! Lady, I believe your son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby Sons and daughters, did you know that your baby baptized has come to make you new? And this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you? Your baby boy would give sight to the blind man. Peter, where's my son? That your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand. Didn't you know that your baby boy has walked where See, the death will hear, the death will 
Watch that a hundred times this week, so I wouldn't cry when I played it for you today. <laughs> when it says, Mary, you have received grace, she had no idea how much she was going to need. Here's the thing she didn't know everything that was going to happen, but she had to make a choice. Then and there, she had to make a choice. I envision her, you know, her mind flashing forward. Oh, Joseph's going to cancel the wedding. I'm going to cancel the photographer. You know, we're not getting the deposit back on the honeymoon. <laughs> He's going to dump her in that culture. It was the same thing as a divorce. And Mary, in that moment, has to make a choice between her plans and God's purpose. She has to make a choice between her dreams and God's destiny. She has to make a choice between her desire to control and God's calling. Even though she doesn't understand the plan, she chooses to trust that God had a purpose. See, just like Mary, we can respond one of two ways. We can clench our fist at God and say, let me be. Or like Mary, we can open our hands and say, let it be. Let it be done with me, as you have said. So my question is, what are you trying to control? What are you trying to control that's outside your control? The thing you need to surrender to him. Is it a relationship? Is it a fear? Is it, is it your image that you're trying to project to people? You know, your pursuit of perfection, maybe? Is it your kid's future? I don't know what it is, but you can either clench your fist at God and say, let me be, or you can say, let it be, and surrender. Because here's the thing. There is no such thing as partial surrender. There can't be any conditions There can't be any strings, you know, no escape clauses. You can't say, I'm 87% surrendered to Jesus. It doesn't work that way. Because literally, here's what we're doing. We're trusting him with some things, but not all things. Now think about this. I trust him to save my soul, but not control my kids. 
I trust him to forgive everything that I've done in the past, but I can't trust him to direct my future. See, this desire to control that we have is rooted in a lack of faith. That's what it is. It's not trusting that God can do it. Because when you overestimate your ability to control, you underestimate the power of God. And you may get your little way, but you don't get God's way. Because you don't have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. You see, every single thing in our culture invites us to live contrary to the gospel. It entices us with, you take charge, you control your destiny, you make it happen. But as we've seen in this series a number of times, God's way is opposite. That's not his way. In fact, Jesus said, here's what he said in Matthew 10, 39. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. It's only in surrender. To surrender control. That's what following Jesus is. It's surrendering control. Here's some bad news though. Surrender isn't a one-time event. I surrendered to God in 2002 and I'm good now. It is a daily choice. Think about Mary for a minute. She's surrendered to God. That's why God chose her. But she's pregnant on a donkey going into a crowded place and there's no room in the inn for her. What does God do? God provides. He provides a stable, you know, with a manger. She's going to lay her kid in straw. It's probably not going to smell real great. But he provided. And look what happened that night. We're still celebrating it 2,000 years later. Imagine them later, very short time later, on the run because Herod doesn't want Jesus around being king and so he's killing babies. And so they're going to run. What do they have? Their home is Nazareth. There in Bethlehem, they have a donkey and a new baby. How are they going to run? The angel comes and says, go to Egypt. Flee to Egypt until I tell you to come back. So what does she do? She surrenders control. And what does God do? He sends three religious wise men people from far away to come and give them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I think maybe gold comes in pretty handy on a trip to Egypt when you have no money. And God shows up. There were so many times throughout her life when she didn't know what was going to happen. You know, even when he's 12 and, and he's missing you know, they, they're going to Jerusalem for the Passover. They leave, and, and I think it's funny because the translation says they're in a caravan. And I'm thinking, like, Plymouth caravan? <laughs> no, they're in a big caravan of people. And they get a ways away before they discover, where's Jesus? And, and before we're too hard on them, we've, we've all done the same thing. When we're with a big group and we're a family, you assume so, so-and-so is watching somebody, and, and all of a sudden they're not there. They go back. They find Jesus in the temple answering and asking questions of the religious leaders because he says, didn't you know I needed to be about my father's business? And can you imagine you saw a little bit of a glimpse of what it might be like for Mary? This is not like the Virgin Mary who has amazing statues all over. This is the mother watching that happen to her son and realizing the grace that was needed for that. But here's what we know. 
in all of the cases that happened to her, on the other side of her faith, she saw God's faithfulness. And I promise you, when you give up control and you surrender to Him, on the other side of your faith, I promise you will always see the faithfulness of God. It won't be necessarily exactly like you think because, wait a minute, you're not in control. But He will always be faithful. You know, when you think about it, Jesus arriving that first Christmas, remember what He was called He would be called, it says in the Old Testament, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He left heaven to come into our neighborhood. Talk about the supreme act of surrender. He surrendered control to God the Father. Think of Jesus in the garden. We saw a picture of Judas kissing Jesus and what that might have been like in the garden. Um, Right before that, Jesus is praying. And he is agonizing because he knows what's coming. And it says that um, he literally sweat drops of blood. The capillaries burst because of the pressure that was on him. And do you remember what he said in the garden? If If there's any other way, let's do it. Let the, if there's a way to let this cup pass. And then he said, nevertheless. Here's, here's what most translations say. Not my will, but yours be done. You know what he said? He said the exact same Greek phrase that Mary said to the angel. He said, let it be according to your word. He said the same thing when he died on the cross. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew what surrender was, but he knew that on the other side of that faith he would always see the faithfulness of God. So you have a choice. You have the illusion of control, you know, because it is an illusion. You never really had it. Um, And you can look a whole bunch of different places for that. A lot of people look at alcohol and drugs that give them the false high, you know, and then the bad hangover hurts you, hurts everybody around you, and it really wasn't the control that you thought it was. Or you can learn surrender and experience one of the most freeing moments in your life when you let go of what you can't change and when you just simply trust God. So this Christmas, whatever God kind of nudges you. I'm not talking about your spouse nudging you. I'm talking about God nudging you and saying, you realize you're trying to control that. And if I can handle your salvation and your forgiveness, I can probably handle that too. And he's asking you to just say, let it be. Let it be with me just like you've said. Because you don't always have the power to control. But you do always have the power to surrender. You see, God can do way more with your surrender than he can do with your control. The story would have turned out way different had Mary not surrendered. What's on your heart is always, always, always better when it's in God's hands. You can turn it over to him. You've heard me say this many times. God gives his best to those who leave the choice up to him. You don't have to control everything. You just have to surrender it to him. Now, I know that you might be in a tough place right now. I'm gonna give, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going to do a candlelight thing in a few moments. But I'm, we're going to give you an opportunity at, at, um, 
at the end of the service, after the candlelight thing, that you, you will be able to, if you need to surrender something, you need somebody to pray with, you'll make your way to that wave, Julie, by that, that room right there. You'll be able to make your way back to that room after the candlelight part of it. I'll, I'll say something about it again. If you have something you need to pray about with somebody, something you need to surrender, maybe, maybe you want to come into that relationship with Jesus and have Christmas not just be about the baby Jesus in the manger, but the one who died on the cross to save you and to forgive you and to come into that relationship with him and surrender to him. They will be able to pray with you, talk with you. If you need a Bible, they can get you a Bible. Um, I know that there are many of you that might be in a tough place. Things, things are happening that you don't have control over and it seems kind of dark. You, you can come on up now. It seems kind of dark. Uh, I don't know if you knew this or not. Last night was the longest night of the year. You know what that means? It's getting brighter. And you may feel like you're in the longest night of the year. But it's getting brighter. I read this this week. I love it. It says, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and so on and so on and so on. It was a thread Mary knew well as generation after generation of ancestors waited for the promised one. They waited and waited and waited. Little did Mary know the long wait would end in her arms. Because in Jesus, hope gets personal. He's the answer. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. In just a moment, um, I'm going to pray. We're going to blow these lights out. And you do that by putting your hand here so that you don't blow the flame into the hair of the person in front of you. And, and then, like I said, if you, for any reason, want someone to pray with you, would like to surrender, would like more info, just make your way back to that room. And um, I, from my family, my wife me, my family, my church family. Um, Thank you all for being part of our Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much that we can celebrate the fact that love came down, that you came, you pitched your tent with us, you, you moved into our neighborhood, you became one of us so that willingly, 30 some years later, you could give up your life on the cross to pay for ours. Father, we thank you for that surrender. We thank you for the surrender that we experienced a little more today in what Mary surrendered, knowing that always on the other side of our faith, we will see your faithfulness. Thank you, Father. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.